Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss sustainable productivity and habit formation while avoiding the allure of hustle culture. Every episode, we interview guests who have got a solid habit and productivity game. We're your hosts, Joey. Hi. And Jeremy. He's Jeremy. Joey's a published author. I'm self-published, though. Has a background in psychology. Not registered, though. Has a deep interest in humans. Only some of humans. And a strong interest in habits and connections specifically. Mm, that's true. And Jeremy is a software developer with ADHD. And when he's not trying to come up with ways to stop himself burning rice, he enjoys doing a three-hour morning routine and surprising colleagues by doing sets of push-ups during meetings to keep the energy high. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Focus and Chill podcast. We're lucky to have with us today Thomas Beresford, who is blowing away BS from the workplace. Thomas is a burnout and breath specialist who specializes in giving people back their agency and harnessing their personal power by helping them understand how to rebalance their physical energy and regulate their emotions, no matter what life throws at them. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Thomas. Well, curious, what projects are you concentrating on during your focused hours? So we had a baby. She's now 15 months old. Um, and so focused hours are rare, <laughs> is what I would say. So I tend, I've had to shift my sleep window. So I now get up around 5.30. But I, from the time I get up to the time she wakes up, is my focused hours. And it usually works out around two hours, two and a half hours a day. The earlier I get up, the more I have. And what I'm doing really, yeah. And so um, what I'm doing at the moment is I have, the first thing I do is I focus on my own personal growth. So some journaling, uh, some reading uh, every morning. And then I either do one of three things. I will do personal health, which is ice bath, or exercise, or breath work. I rotate them, and then I get down to focusing on my business, which is what I'm trying to grow. And so that's my, my project is my business and my life. <laughs> so and I'm you know, trying to condense as much of it into those focused hours as possible, because then when she's awake, there's not many left. So yeah. And then late at night, if she goes to bed early, I then use that to kind of try and just see what what other what other pieces I could maybe pick up and have <clears throat> do something powerful with, um, but that's more ad hoc. So it's really good to hear how you fit it in around that because we had a, an episode Joey and I where we were talking about habits as almost being a luxury that 
for us not having children, it's quite easy to do a morning routine. But then when you've got a, a young child, it's a, it sounds like it's quite unpredictable and you really you must treasure those hours in the morning as well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's that? There's that phrase, isn't there? Jocko Willink got a book, Discipline Equals Freedom, right? And what basically what he means is that regularity, that rhythm, that routine is what keeps you anchored and then creates the space for everything else. Because otherwise, I'm, you know, my mind would be all over the place. I'd be, what should I do now? And what should I do now? And what should I do now? And I'll just chill out for a bit. So I have those things that I'm committed to and it's just, that's what I do. And I'm not perfect. There's some days where I just don't, but you know, I let that go. They're quite rare, but it doesn't matter. So yeah, it's, you're right. The, The word there is treasure. Uh, particularly now, you know, I hadn't, it was, it's different when you don't have a child. Um, mm-hmm. but when you do, routine is a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you doing 5 a.m. wake ups before you had a child as well? Well, not quite 5 a.m. When we first arrived here, I, whilst I was looking for work in the city in finance, um, I also am really passionate about coffee. I've always wanted to train. I want, I want to have a coffee shop one day, my own. Um, and so I was learning, I wanted to learn how to be a barista. And Australia is the coffee capital of the world. I'm not interested in the Melbourne-Sydney argument. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get involved in that. But um, yeah, so I, I, I learned to be a barista here. So I was up early anyway, working in the city. And then we got a cat. And so the cat got tied to my rhythm. I stopped being a barista when COVID hit, but the cat still thinks I'm a barista. So it's still awake at five and once fed at that time. So it's waiting for me. So yeah, between five and six, I'm up. Um, yeah. So between the cat and the baby, what can you do? <laughs> hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about with your business, the time you're spending on that? What's the, I believe you do a certain type of consulting and coaching. Do you want to tell the audience about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's still in its fledgling stage and I'm trying to kind of bring together a few different pieces. So the, the core element of it is around well-being and wellness and, you know, the, the, the very heart of it is the Wim Hof method, uh, using breath work, some ice bath, cold exposure, mindset commitment type conversations. But then I've also got my corporate experience and my, my background and what I've been learning. And, um, and I've still got, uh, I think, something to offer the corporate space. I'm a bit of a contrarian. Uh, I like to push back on things and not because I'm awkward, but it's because for whatever reason, I can tend to see implications of decisions, of projects or whatever. If someone says, well, we should do this. I'm like, yeah, but do you realize if you do that, that means this or some things in the corporate world just drive me insane right so when i had i had a boss who kept saying let's just think outside the box now i don't think that boss would know what the nine dot problem was if i showed it to him which is where the phrase came from and you know so all that stuff is actually creating angst for people because when you tell someone to think outside the box and they either don't know what it means or they think i don't know how to do that what's wrong with me um, I can't do that. Maybe that's why I'm a worker and he's the boss. And it actually, let's just cut through all that nonsense. Like, what are you really trying to say? You're just trying to get to say, why don't we just come up with some crazy ideas? Cool, let's do that. I can do that. Um, anyway, so what I'm trying to do is almost meld 
pull together the, the, the different areas that, that I could talk to and bring that in a conversation. And ultimately, it's about employee experience. So yeah, well-being is at the heart of it, but it's just about that, having a better conversation. Um, what are we really talking about? What are we really asking? What do you really want to achieve? What are we really trying to do here? Uh, so let's not use the phrase, let's think outside the box. Let's just say, why can we just come up with some crazy ideas? Or are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for yeah? it. Yeah, because I, 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 I used to be a big proponent of uh, brainstorming. Um, but the best phrase I heard quite a few years ago now was, why don't we do some shit storming instead? Why don't we just come up with the worst ideas possible? Just come up with them. Let's go with it. Just come on. And then out of that, you might actually get some gold and just get it out, you know, clear the space, whatever. Anyway, I'm barbering a little bit about that. But that's that's the kind of idea. It's like, what what can we actually do that's a bit different? Can we cut through the noise? Can we have a higher level conversation? And let's let's kind of almost be a bit more mindful about what we're trying to actually achieve and how we want to do it. And at the very heart of that is the person, right? It's the individual. It's like, how do you compose yourself in a moment? How do you have conversations? How do you listen to people? I'm very, I really like to speak to people and encourage them to listen better. I'm really good at it sometimes and I'm terrible at it at other times. But, you know, there's different things that you can do to help people listen. And if you've got a workplace where people listen, and are able to listen, they can clear the noise in their head and listen to you or listen to each other, you actually change, or you can actually have a real impact on the culture. So that's kind of what resonates with me, that whole, they seem like like they're quite separate things, but I think there's a space there to to pull them together. And that's what I'm trying to find. (laughs) Awesome. It, It sounds really needed in today's work climate. I know that burnout is an issue you've dealt with and I'm curious about these days what you do in your off time to make sure that you're recharged when you do go back to work. Yeah, I learned the hard way, right? So <laughs> the, the most important thing relates back to what we spoke about before. It's having the, the, your boundaries are your safety net, right? So the most important thing is to have, for me anyway, and it's worked, is having that non-negotiable boundary around a sleep window. So I read Matthew Walker's book back in 2018, Why We Sleep, and that just kind of brought home all of the things that we kind of knew. Uh, And I intuitively knew that when I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't performing very well, and I knew I wasn't sleeping well, but it's okay, I'm working hard, it's fine, right? (laughs) And so that now, that was the kick that I needed to say, right, non-negotiable window around sleep. Um, and that is possibly the most important thing to fix. You know, th- there's lots of things to fix, but fix that first. Because even if you're, if you're training hard at the gym, if you're not sleeping well enough, you're actually doing yourself more damage because you're not recovering properly. And so fix your sleep first. Um, and link to that, when I discovered the breath work is also this idea of fixing how you breathe whilst you sleep. And so um, I tape my mouth at night for sleep uh, just to minimize any mouth breathing uh, and optimize nose breathing. And that helps the quality of your sleep as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's the sleep that that's my anchor. 
Uh, if I let my sleep window slip, everything, all bets are off. Like everything else just goes out the window, you know? Um, and it's having those boundaries uh, around saying, well, here's at least today, I know I do my journal, I read my book, uh, and I start the day in a kind of intentional way. Um, so yeah, boundaries, whatever's important to you. And I would say start with sleep. That, that, that for me is, is the foundation. And, Hmm. Yeah, we'd love to drill into the, the sleep part a bit further yeah. when we talk about your evening routine. Yeah. In terms of the other things that you do in your off time, I imagine your leisure time is quite limited at the moment, being a, a father of a, a new child. Is there anything potentially in the past that you, you love to do for fun as well? Oh, look, it depends on how far back you want to go. <laughs> I'm not the youngest. Um, but look, I, I used to DJ properly like with real turntables with with vinyl and a mixer and do it myself with my ears uh not with a auto tune and not with these things that just match your beats for you so i used to dj in clubs and stuff uh, i used to love that like dance music right so whatever you want to make of that i used, I, used to, I love that i still like the music um i used to play field hockey I used to play that a lot uh got to a fairly decent level at home uh, and that was kind of my regular sport. And then just spending time with friends, you know. Um, I've only really become a, a, a reader since about 2014, 15 time. Um, before that, reading wasn't really a big part of my life. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, yeah, now <laughs> it's, I've got a carrier, I've got a baby in the carrier, probably with a pram now because she she's at like over 11 kilos, so... Um, yeah, it's that, you know, that, that's my hobby being a full, being a full-time dad as much as I can and just be there for her and try and keep on top of other stuff as well at the same time. So, um, but I still, you know, I still, I, every now and then I'll pop on Netflix and reward myself with that. Or, uh, I listen to lots of things on YouTube at, during our walks when she's asleep or whatever. And, um, but it's all kind of geared now. It's all a bit more intentional. It's all about, I'm listening to things about business or marketing or, well-being or breathing or there's something that it, there's there's always another reason why i'm listening to it uh in general but yeah yeah i'm also quite keen thomas to hear a bit more about the the two hours of power so like the the journaling and the the reading the book yeah. and the ice bath and and then jumping into the business it seems like a quite a lot for a morning like is is it um do you ever have to like streamline it or chop it down or uh or is the two hours another non-negotiable that you have a boundary around it's like nothing really interferes with that well it's funny because i i play i'm playing I, I sometimes wrestle with what do i start with do i start with my personal development or do i start with business development um but i'm at the moment it's i get up i'll have a shower i'll feed the cats and then i will take a few vitamins or supplements like vitamin D3 and things like that, uh, and some fish oil. And then, and that's the first thing I actually, that's the very first thing I do. So some fish oil, some water with some vitamin C or some NMN or something like that. And then I sit down, I write, and then I read the Daily Stoic book. So it's a sh usually quite short, doesn't take very long. I read uh, it's all done by date so every day there's something for every year and then the same for Robert Greene he's got the daily laws so I read his as well it's a nice contrast sometimes 
Um, and then I, I rotate books in. So I just finished going through, finally going through Tim Ferriss's uh, Tools of the Titans. And I'm now on uh, Randolph Ness's book, uh, Good Reasons for Bad Feelings, which is like evolution, evolutionary psychology behind emotion and where it comes from and why it actually might be adaptive. Uh, so I rotate a book in and I try to read a few pages. Um, and then I, I kind of, I will draw a line and I'll do something on the business. Uh, whether it, obviously I've got to reply to emails. Sometimes I'm doing workshops. Um, and sometimes I'm reaching out, connecting, trying to raise some kind of awareness for what I do and who I am and that I exist. Uh, and then, yeah, the baby gets up and then, yeah, when the baby gets up, make the wife a coffee and, yeah, and then that's it. I'm on. That, that, that's when it all starts. And it's, yeah, usually around 7 8 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, but yeah, the morning is, it, 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 I do, it's non-negotiable in so much that I do something for myself and something for the business. Um, there have been a few mornings where the baby's been up late. I've gone to sleep late and I prioritize my sleep then. I'm like, no, I'm going to sleep first. Because otherwise, if I get up at five and I've had six hours sleep, I can't think properly. Uh, my, Nutrition is going to be all over the place. I'm going to be hungry and stuff like that. So that doesn't work for me. Uh, I'm quite tuned into that now. So I just prioritize the sleep first. And as long as I've had over seven and a half hours sleep, I'll, I'll, yeah, something on me, something on the business and uh, yeah, make the most of it. So, mm. yeah, it sounds like uh, I find for me as well that if I don't get seven and a half hours of sleep, then my productivity is pretty woeful and I'm unlikely yeah. to get much done. Yeah. Is that the, the reason that you'll do that, that rather than trying to be really stoic and push through, even if you've only had six hours sleep? Well, look, I mean, I, I've done that, right? So that's, that's one of the reasons I burnt out. So when I was training as a chartered accountant, when I was approaching my finals, I developed an ectopic heartbeat through stress. So I wasn't sleeping properly, wasn't eating properly. You know, you work during the day, then you're studying for your exams. I was pushing myself. And I was older than the, the, the students. You know, it was a, young, more, a younger person's game than when I was training. But then the reason I burnt out was I was pouring all my energy into work. I was going to the gym, but I wasn't getting enough sleep. Um, and I wasn't putting any energy into anything else. And so you just, you know, you, you deplete the reserves. I mean, when do you put your phone on to charge? Nighttime, right? And when your phone starts to get down, you close down some applications and whatever you need to do and you plug it in, you let it charge and you take it again so it can work properly. It's the same for me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, it, it affects it. I've noticed now, I'm really tuned into the fact that if I don't sleep properly, it's going to affect everything. I notice how it affects my appetite. I'm more willing to eat things that I know don't serve me well. Because I'm hungry, my body's just like, it feels under stress. It's, it's more stressed, so it just wants more energy. Um, I can't think clearly. I get that brain fog. I still get my ups and downs of clarity, but I just don't think properly. Uh, I feel weaker physically. Uh, emotionally, I'm a little bit more on edge sometimes as well if I don't sleep, get the full sleep. And it's not like it's a huge shift, but you just notice that you're just a little bit more sensitive to things. Me, when I say you, I mean me, right? Um, so that, that's why it is non-negotiable. Now, there are times when I just, it just doesn't happen. But in general, on average, my ring tells me that my average sleep is around seven and a half hours. Now, that's obviously skewed now. Since we've had the baby, it's not quite seven and a half, no matter how much I try. <laughs> but I do my best. You know, I get a good window in bed. And, mm. Yeah. 
Oh, you've got an Ura ring? Is that the ring yeah. that's telling you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I say foolishly, foolishly got that. We got it in 2000 and when did we arrive here? 2019. So you got the, got the first one in 2019. Um, yeah, so yeah, ever, ever since. But I don't look at it until I think about how I've slept. Hmm. I think the mistake with these wearables is they can convince you you've had a good night's sleep when you haven't or a bad night's sleep when you haven't. Mm. So I'm like, I just, I'm always curious about what's it telling me? How do I feel about my sleep? But then it's, how do I think I slept? How do I feel? What does the ring say? Interesting. That kind of is in line with what, and sometimes they're completely off. I feel like I've had a great night's sleep and the ring tells me go easy today. So, (laughs) yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'd love to ask more about that as well. <laughs> I was keen to, we were talking before the podcast about in terms of optimizing productivity, sleep is yeah. part of it. The yeah. other is potentially using some of the practices that you, you follow and that you teach in your coaching work around mm-hmm. breath work. Mm-hmm. Is there any that you'd recommend for people in terms of to, if you've been feeling really scattered, you've had a million emails and now the fires are out, but you need to center yourself again. Is there a, a practice you'd recommend? There's quite a few. Um, and obviously it, in terms like productivity, right? So I read David Allen's book, um, getting things done. Right? I like the way he speaks about productivity and I like the way he does it. Um, and that helped me a lot. Uh, and for me, it's the breath work is similar to what he speaks about in terms of it being situational. And so some breath work practices are more suited to when you've got more time, just like tasks. Uh, some are more suited to when you're at home. Some are more suited to the office. And so what I would say, but very, the most powerful thing you can do to almost drop yourself into the moment is with your eyes. Do you know this one? About the so, have you ever met anyone who got stressed out looking at a sunset? Probably not, right? One of the reasons for that is when you're looking at the sunset, you're looking at the panorama, and so when you're looking at the panorama, your eyes are what they call dialed out. They're looking, they're taking in everything. Whereas if you're focused, your vision is narrow, right? And that's more uh, activating. Whereas looking at the panorama is calming. So the first thing I can look, I'm looking at this camera now, talking to you, but I'm also looking at the sides of the room. And by, or taking it in, I should say, I'm trying to take in as much of the room as possible while still paying attention to the camera. And doing that is similar to looking at the horizon or looking at the landscape. That's hardwired into our brain. We're hardwired that when we're looking wide, it's okay. There's nothing to focus on. So that's the first thing I would say. Just just let your vision just widen a little. You can do that in conversation with someone. If it's getting tense in a conversation or it's a difficult conversation, you can do that too. I can look them in the eye, but I can let my vision just dial out sideways. And then there's lots of things we could do. I would say what, I don't know if you can see my arms right now. As I'm speaking, so I've got my elbows. I, I speak with my hands quite a lot. I'm quite expressive. <laughs> no Italian blood. Um, but um, what you can do, again, in a situation, like if you're, so the optimal position for typing is elbows by the side, right? And so you're not hunched. So elbows by the side. So whether you're sat or standing, 
if I keep my elbows by my side and then I get my keyboard close to in the right position, I can type properly and helps my posture. Um, but with my elbows there, I can also breathe in through my nose and feel my elbows gently, feel my the, the ribs gently pressed against my elbows. And that instantly drops me into my body. If you try that now, just your typing position, just make sure your elbows are by, or your arms are by your side. Some people can't get their elbows to their ribs, but your arms are touching your side as you would type. And if you just breathe in through your nose and just feel your sides move against your arm, there's a couple of things happening, right? One, you're completely dropped into your body straight away and you're not thinking about anything else. So if you've got a really racing mind or you're just like, You've got emails and you've got projects and you've got deadlines and you've got the boss and whatever, you know, and there's noise in the background and you've been disturbed three times and we know that it takes at least seven minutes, if not 22, to get back to focus if you've just been disturbed, whatever the research says, but it's a long time. And you just can't... One thing you can do, the most important thing is to drop yourself back into the moment. And an easy way to do that is just that. That's simple. You can do... I'll do one more. For now, and then we can talk about others. Yeah. Uh, another one is, again, hardwired into our brain. We sigh every five to ten minutes. We just don't realize it. Um, if you hear somebody do this, <sighs> what's wrong? You okay? What's happened? Because you know intuitively that something, something's happening in their experience. Something's, whatever it might be. They might have spilled a drink. Someone might be annoying them, but something's going on because a sigh is your hardwired way to dump a load of air and calm down. So you can consciously do that as well. So you can consciously make yourself sigh and you just do a double inhale through your nose. You take a big deep breath in through your nose. And then before you exhale, you take another breath in, just squeeze a little bit more air in and then you just let it go. And you've just told your entire nervous system that it's time to calm down. Downregulate. So mm-hmm. you're dropping your energy levels. Um, and is that and one by, you shouldn't do at the office because it'll make people worried? I would say don't do it in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> because people are like, what's happening? But, what you, but that's why the other subtle ones are, are more helpful. Anything that you can focus on while still giving the attention to the person is good. So you can just, as they're talking and you're listening to them, you can either just feel the the air on your nose, or you can just try and feel your ribs move out to the side. Anything that just tunes you into your body a little bit, but you can still give them attention, or you can try and, there's things that you can watch on them, you can try and see if you can spot when they're breathing in and out, and it, it also then helps you tune into them and where they're at. You might spot that they're breathing quite heavy, and you might think, oh, maybe they're a bit nervous or a bit stressed out or or whatever. Um, and tuning into someone else's breathing pattern is actually a really good foundation for empathy because you're actually giving your attention to them. You're tuning into their experience and looking at them and watching to see, well, how are they breathing? Are they breathing fast or slow? Is it really shallow or is it erratic or is it deep? What's going on with them? And instantly you're starting to take an empathic position, trying to understand what their experience might be. Um, yeah. But there's loads of things. There's lots of little little things that I've learned along the way. And I think, you know, Andrew Huberman's done a lot for this. He's done a lot for the space. Uh, just bringing the science behind it, the neuroscience, and, and there's lots of research behind all the... And he talks about the physiological sigh a lot. He talks a lot about um, the 
dialing out the gaze because he's an, a, a professor of opth- ophthalmology. Um, and the, the one with the ribs, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not taking claim for it, but I don't remember hearing it anywhere. It's just a, it, it's me bringing together breathing and um, my experience because thinking about posture, um, one of the impacts I had in my last workplace was getting everyone to at least have access to a standing desk. And so that whole, that, that whole way of getting your posture, I mean, I've trained with a guy called Kelly Starrett, who is, does mobility ward. And he talks a lot about the importance of having that posture um, and the things you need to do if you're having a standing desk. And one of them is having the elbows by the side. And so that I've just tried to, you know, just kind of smash the two together and came up with a little tool that you can kind of come back to just to just like you said, come back and recenter again. Yeah. Because if you if you think of your energy, your energy is on a continuum from fast asleep, passed out, unconscious to completely activated fight or flight, whatever that might be, right? And somewhere in between, at any point during the day, you're on that continuum. And so do you want to add more energy? Do you feel a bit flat? Do you want to come up? Or do you feel like, I just, I just need to calm down a little bit. I just need to recenter. I'm just feeling a bit, and I just want to, you know, what do you want to feel? Do you want to feel a bit more? Or do you want to feel a bit more? And that, just by doing that, tells you what you need to do with your breath. Yeah? Um, that, that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, that's, that's really cool, Thomas. I can tell you that because, like, the first time I heard about the, the elbows at the ribs was at your – as the workshop that you taught when, when we okay. met a couple of months ago. Yeah. And before that, I hadn't heard anything about it. And I haven't heard uh, Andrew Huberman talk about it, which is where I think – like, if, you, if you'd find it anywhere, I think you'd find it there. But I'm yeah. still working through yeah. my backlog. I still have a few, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few outstanding. But, yeah it's, yeah, it's very useful. And, yeah, thank you for, thank you for introducing us to that. With the idea of down-regulating with the phys- um, is the physiological side, wasn't it? The yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. physiological side. Are there any other ways that you might down-regulate af- after a tough day to get yourself ready for bed and to wind down? Yeah, right. So there's there's what you do in your environment in terms of sleep hygiene, and so most importantly. To downregulate, I try and make sure I've had a nice dinner because after eating, the body intuitively downregulates. Yeah, you slow down to rest and digest. The, the parasympathetic nervous system is sometimes called the rest and digest system for a reason. So once you're digesting your food, um, you, you go into automatic rest mode. Um, that's assuming you have not been eating standing up. Right. So when I, I, well, I was a high school teacher first and the guy, when I was first training, really the, 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 the head of physical education at the school I was training at really fit. He was 45 at the time, really fit and healthy, came back really distraught. Doctor just told him he developed an ulcer and he, he, it was a serious one. It wasn't just like some mild thing, a stomach ulcer. And the reason he had the stomach ulcer was because he was always eating on the go. When you eat, you're meant to relax. 
and calm down and sit down, enjoy the food and slow down. He was doing all of his sports. What a lot of physical education teachers do, they squeeze the sports teams, the training, the clubs into their lunchtime. And so he was running clubs and eating on the go and he was never in rest and digest. So he's slamming this food into his system, but his body's always activated and he just wasn't digesting his food properly. And that's why I often tell people that breath work can help you with actually digesting your food because you bring a rhythm back to the body and you can slow the body down. Um, so what you spoke to me about earlier about what non-negotiables or things I do to help me. One of them is home-cooked meals, uh, which I've neglected a lot, uh, and eating early. Because I know intuitively, if I'm going to be up at five, six o'clock, I've got to be asleep by nine, 10 o'clock. Now, the advice is usually make sure you eat at least two hours, at least two hours before you fall asleep. So that means I've got to be eating at the latest at seven o'clock. And so the emphasis is on come home, cook something nutritious and eat and eat together with the baby and and my wife. So we eat dinner, um, we dim the lights, we have low lights, orange lights, we have Himalayan salt lamps and stuff like that. But anything in the bedroom just got a red light. Like that whole idea of removing bright light is important. Overhead lights, if you've got them, dim them or turn them off. Uh, and that, that's, that's about sleep hygiene. And so to down-regulate, it's very much about the environment in the evening. That's the most important cue. You're just cueing your system. You're telling your body it's time to come down a bit. And then reading. I mean, and I'm always thinking now about what I was doing before the baby was born because everything changed. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it was reading. Uh, and if I felt like I really needed to, to calm down, a nice hot bath in the evening. It's actually a really powerful tool. Uh, it helps you sleep so well. Uh, and it just completely brings you just, you just relax. I don't have access to a sauna. Um, but yeah, that anything to do with warming you up in the evening can help you then sleep. Uh, so a hot bath, we, I use that a lot, um, in the winter here. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I could ramble on about that quite a lot actually, but very much environment, uh, just to downregulate, uh, and sometimes a nice glass of wine, you know, uh, just cause I like a nice glass of wine and some, there's some good wines here in Australia. So <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Can you tell us more about the mouth taping? I'm curious about whether it improved your aura score. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, so the, it definitely improved my uh, aura score. And what it did, what, it, what I noticed, there's two impacts I've noticed it have. One is on my respiratory rate. It's just more regular. It's not as erratic. Um, and also on my kind of average heart rate and low heart rate. So you can, I can tell when I've had a, what I would call a stressful night's sleep, when I look at the distance between my maximum heart rate and my average, or my minimum, sorry, my minimum heart rate and my average. So it says, oh, your minimum heart rate was 58, great, but your average was 75. That's like telling me that it took me, you know, there was something going on a lot with my heart rate and only at some point did it dip down really low. Whereas if the spread is really low, if my, my heart rate is usually around 54, 53, something like that. And then my maximum, if, if I know that's about 60, if the spread is about six points, that's, that's a good, relaxed, restful, 
rhythmical night's sleep. Uh, so yeah, it definitely helped with the, the heart rate and the, uh, the, the respiratory rate and just going to the toilet in the middle of the night. That's what I noticed it really helped with. Okay. Not you were less, less likely to need to wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Because you're not, you're not, you're not dehydrating yourself through your mouth. Mm. And I f- genuinely noticed that, uh, mm. I used to think I was getting old having to get up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. And actually it wasn't, I just take my mouth and I still sometimes do, but it's just, it's just not something that happens as a, as a rule. Mm. Um, yeah, that whole, uh, I noticed that. And then obviously in the morning on our, on, in general, I feel a bit better, but Ura tells me, Ura tells me that my respiratory rate is more normalized and my average, my rest, my kind of average heart rate is, is, is more normalized too. Mm. Yeah. The second person I've heard who does that, and I've been really curious about whether it was hard to get used to initially, because I just feel like I'm being kidnapped in the middle of the night. I'm afraid I'll wake up <laughs> and think some gang of, of they've taken me to an obscure location. Have you had really weird dreams like that? Um, I've, I, yeah, I mean, look, it, it can really help you sleep really well and you actually drop into your 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 deep sleep quite quickly as well um which is really important right a lot of people lose that deep sleep and they're not getting that that's the restorative sleep when your your body's actually fixing lots of stuff um but (laughs) the trick to it is don't jump into just covering the mouth with tape right so you start with a little piece here so I can still move my lips. And if you really want, you can start doing it during the day, just during, around the house. If you've got chores, if you're working from home, just put a little piece here and just get used to that and then sleep with that piece there. So you can still, I can still talk like this. And if I really have to, I can breathe. You're just training the nervous system that these lips need to be closer together. And then after a while, I was like, Do you know what? I'm just going to tape them closed now because I'm so used to it. And so I hurt with the, the mustache. No, so the the bet there's lots of products out there that you can buy, and I'm not affiliated or don't use any. I just go to the chemist and buy that 3M tape, that little micropore tape. It's quite soft. It's white. It's not very sticky. I stick it on my my hand before I go to bed to take some of the stickiness off, and then just put it on, and then it's fine. Uh, I would, yeah. But after a while, I was, and that actually was the big game changer because then there's nothing coming out of the mouth. My wife's a lot happier with my mouth taped shut. I don't speak. I don't, you know, <laughs> so she thinks it's great. <laughs> I should do it because I talk during my sleep. <laughs> and and that's it. You know, some people like to throw themselves into stuff. And I do that with some things, just throw myself into it. But this one, I was like, well, I'll try it and see what it's like. And then eventually I was like, yeah, let's just go for it. Um, the goal is not to freak myself out. And I learned, I, you know, the, the tape. The, t- the mouth taping thing was only when I read uh, James Nestor's book on breath. Um, I'd re- heard about it a few times before, uh, but I read it in there and I was like, I'm trying this. What, why not? Why not? Why not make my sleep even better than it already is? So, Yeah, we're collecting a, a long list of books that you've mentioned here. <laughs> yeah, I've read a few of them, but I haven't read that one. I'll have to look it up. No, that's great. That's great. I mean, there's a few good books out there on breathing. There's, there's lots of good books out there on breathing, but his one is really accessible. Mm. Um, and his podcasts are great. He's got lots of stuff out there. And, but yeah, The Breath by James Nestor. The mm. New Science of a Lost Art. Mm. New Science of a Lost Art. Yeah. Cool. Look it up. Mm. I've got a, a few questions remaining. We might do them rapid fire. 
yeah. The, Sorry, I, I I did say I tend to babble quite a lot. So yeah, not at all. It's been really. There's quite a few things that I think I can implement personally, and I'm sure our guests will, our audience will appreciate it too. And something that just came to my head when you were speaking, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that I learned about productivity the most is uh, learn to let go of stuff. I've been in the corporate world for quite a long time. And even when I was a teacher, you know, we are convinced that if we just find the right tool, just find the right app, just read the right book, you can do it all. You can't. So stop trying to do it all. Delegate it or let it go. Or if it's important, you know, then focus on it. But learn what's really important. Mm. Um, and just I, honestly, you can't do it all. It's one of the reasons, one of the reasons I burn out is trying to do it all. Mm. Um and yeah, that just came to my head as you were speaking. I was like, yeah, it's all been about breath work or whatever. But like, honestly, no, even if you're doing David Allen's getting things done or whatever, if you're using monday.com, like all these things, they can help. They certainly help, but you can't do it all. Mm. You just can't. You must be so, psychic because you've anticipated the next question, which was oh, have I? what do you want to <laughs> let go of your life in terms of habit, habits that are either bad habits you want to let go of? Or potentially a habit that maybe in the transition to fatherhood, you realize that you couldn't keep it up, that it was less essential than the others? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. What what habits do I have that I need to let go of? And obviously having the baby just forced me to let go of a load of stuff. And now I have that, that those sacred hours in the morning. And that's really good for focus, right? Like a deadline. Um, so... I was just forced to let go of a lot of stuff, but I, I was in the rhythm in the evening of part of my down regulation before the baby was born. I would sit down and I would find a nice series on Netflix and watch and, um, and I don't feel guilty about it, but it wasn't the best use of my time. Um, I mean, you hear Seth Godin talk a lot, right? And he says he never watches TV and that rings in my ears quite a lot. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's why he's doing so well. <laughs> so, um, but he's missing out because there's some good things on there, you know. And I'm like, I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I like Star Wars. I like, you know, I like that stuff, and I like Ozark, and there's all sorts of things I like to watch. And the World Cup's on now, so you know, I'm, I'm trying to integrate that into my morning as well sometimes. Um, and so, the challenge that I've got here really is actually finding time. The biggest challenge I've got is making friends. And I suppose it's not, it's not a habit. It's more about making a concerted effort to find somewhere to actually make some friends here. Uh, that's, it's more of a challenge. It's not really answering your question, is it? Um, yeah, no, yeah. It, it makes sense that it would be hard when you've got a little one in your life and it would take, take a lot of things out, including TV series and time for friends as well. So we, we're we going to do the remaining ones rapid fire. Joey's... Go, go, I'll try and be succinct. I'll try and be succinct. I promise. <laughs> I'll try. Sorry, I'll try. <laughs> no, you don't have to apologize, Thomas. It's been, it's been really good. And we're going to be a bit greedy and we're going to... You've already given us a whole lot of resources and books and philosophies that you find helpful. So just to recap, there's Jocko's... Jocko's... Uh, Jocko Willing, sorry. So for me, I just call him Jocko. But uh, Jocko Willing's uh, Discipline Equals Freedom, Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, David Allen's Getting Things Done, Kelly Starrett's um, Mobility, WOD, James Nestor's Breathe book, uh, YouTube podcasts like the Huberman Lab podcast, and 
there was Rand Randolph, wasn't it? Randolph Green, was it? Rand Randolph Ness. Randolph that's Ness. That's just the current book. That's the current book. Yeah. The current book, and that's called uh, "Good Reasons for Bad Feelings," is it? Or was it that way? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm glad I got it the right way around. Yeah, well done. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. That's impressive. Was there uh, was there anything else? Uh, any any other resources that that come to mind that that we might have missed? Or is that is that pretty much the the Thomas Beresford collection? Um, who do I listen to the most? Uh, or what do I do? <laughs> there's a book, I'm looking at it now, it's on the balcony, I can see it. So there's a guy called uh, Ian McGilchrist, he's got a book called The Master and His Emissary, The Master and His Emissary. I've been reading it for over a year. It's a hard read, and I'm taking my time with it. Uh, it's about the left and the right side of the brain. Um, that's a very, very good book, but it's something that takes a while <laughs> to get through. Um, and it, I can see it, like, talking to me now over there. Uh, th look, there's so many. I would say if I took a big step back and if I could only listen to one person or take in one person's stuff, it's someone I've not mentioned, it would be Alan Watts. So he basically, his stuff basically changed my whole way of looking and thinking and feeling about things. Uh, his stuff is incredible. And I would just say, go and consume his stuff and listen to him and um, yeah, that, that's the one person that I would actually recommend to everybody. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, I mean, I, you'll see you nodding. So I think you're, I mean, I think we're quite familiar with the same people yeah. and you're probably familiar with him as well. And, uh, I just, I think his stuff is so accessible. Um, and I just, yeah. There is, there is a lot of Alan Watts stuff out there. So I, I remember when I first was pointed towards Alan Watts, I was a bit overwhelmed about what a good entry point was. So like um there was there was one video about him saying that we're not really living, I think. And I remember that one being quite interesting, a little bit difficult to to grok, but uh yeah, yeah. do do you ha do you have a good like a an entry point in particular to Alan Watts uh, so people don't get overwhelmed in all his whatness? Yeah, look, there's a very short one that he's got out there that I kind of send to lots of people and I reflect on it quite a lot myself is he's got a thing. Um, I don't know what the, the, the YouTube title is, but if you, um, if you go, if you put in the search something like Alan Watts, if money was no object, he's got a little speech where he talks about what would you do if money was no object? You know, and he talks about why we end up doing the things that we do, why we end up in the job. And what you, what would you do if you could just go and do the thing you love and be get really good at it? And then someone will end up paying you for it anyway. Um, and that's really accessible. It's like 10 minutes long, I think. Uh, there'll be little clips of that from, that's from one of his lectures. And then there's another one that I like where he usually starts off where he says something along the lines of, what do you mean when you say I? That's a nice question. And, um, yeah. So there's something, if you, if you put that into the search as well, there's a few bits and pieces there uh, but the short one on, on what would you do if money was no object is a nice nice little intro and yeah hmm. and it sounds like you're following that now being able to try it's important yeah yeah, yeah. trying <laughs> hmm. all right so final two questions where can people connect with you you've got an instagram account i believe and <laughs> yeah other ways well look you. i i've got a website yeah and look i i i tried to build that whilst we had the baby. Hmm. Uh, so I've set it up, but on the website, it's breathspacewiththomas.com.au. Um, it's all one word, breathspacewiththomas. 
And on there, there's links to my Instagram, to my LinkedIn, um, and to YouTube. Where I, but effectively, what I'll do is I'll say, I've started to record a few little one-minute videos, and I just I record them on Instagram, and then I repurpose them, because I don't have time to then edit them. I know you should really edit your videos for different platforms, but I just like, I haven't got that. Yeah, I've got two hours, right? So I'll do a video and then I just repurpose it. So, but fundamentally I'm using LinkedIn and Instagram. LinkedIn, it's Thomas Beresford, um, but the link is on my website and Instagram. I told you I'd have my phone ready so I could tell you how I spell it because <laughs> I couldn't remember how I set it up. It's a uh, breath space, one word, underscore with underscore Thomas. But again, the link is on my website. So that's the easiest portal to get to me. Um, and I tend to, yeah, I, I do a lot of my connecting and conversations and things on LinkedIn because that makes the most sense for me at the moment. Um, yeah. Wonderful. It's been a pleasure having you on, Thomas. Do you have any final words or asks of our audience? Um, the message I've got for people is... Sounds a bit egotistical, this. I've never had, I've never had to do this before. It, it's what I say to people is that you've got more, you've got more power and control than you realize. Um, and I'm not saying you don't need help, assistance, specialists, whatever that might be, but you as an individual have much more power than you realize. It's just get yourself back on solid ground, get yourself back on solid footing. And that's why the breath work is so powerful to me. Um, just to get you back into your body, recenter, and then, okay, what do I need to do next? Or what can I do? Or whatever that might be. And, and so, yeah, you've got more power than you realize. Uh, in a very, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm babbling again, but what I would say is, I like, I like the, 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 the cognitive stuff, but I like real tools that actually people can use, you know, um, and when time is tight and when, and, and stuff and people need things that they just tell me what to do. Okay. That's not the best answer. Sometimes it's like, yeah, but if I just give you the answer, but actually there are things that you can do. There are things that you can do yourself and things will just be a little bit better and a little bit easier. And you'll, and you'll realize that actually you're way more capable than you give yourself credit for. Um, yeah. Wonderful. We'll wrap the show with that. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled and peace out.